No, absolutely. And, and of course, I meet this question all the time. But when you think about the products that you do know from Google and use, hopefully all the time, it is also about someone who, for instance, on search is looking for someone, something and someone who has something to offer. And Google's role is to appropriately connect those two. So we are an enabler of exchange of information. And if you think about a supply chain, that is exactly that. It is going beyond the enterprise and, and looking much wider in one's community and understanding whether there is any contextually relevant signs that could predict demand or uh, help you measure your sustainability footprint, et cetera, et cetera. So Google really brings in technology to equip you to have more of a transparent and sustainable supply chain. You're listening to Transform Talks, the podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of the Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. I'm really excited about this week's guest. In fact, I had such a good time talking to her that by the end of the conversation, I had completely lost track of time. So much so that we ended up recording two episodes worth of content. You know, as I went away and reflected on that conversation, I felt like the insights she provided were just too good to be left on the cutting room floor, so to speak. So I'm delighted to say that this week, I'm bringing you part one of my conversation with the head of supply chain and logistics at Google Cloud, Louisa Loran. Part two will be out this time next week. Louisa is a passionate business leader with almost 20 years of experience in executive positions at global B2B and B2C industry-leading companies such as Diageo and Maersk. Since 2021, though, she has been spearheading Google's new supply chain digital twin solution, which is aiming to give manufacturers, distributors, and retailers unprecedented visibility into their supply chains. During part one of our conversation, Louisa and I discuss what it is like working at Google, the key features of the supply chain digital twin solution, and why most digital transformation projects fail. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Louisa. Welcome to Transform Talks. Hi, Maria. Great to be here. Good. Well, you know what? I have a lot of questions for you. I'm very intrigued by any woman in the uh, sector, any way that I come across. So I really am always fascinated and no doubt my audience will be as well. But I know that congratulations are in order because I understand that you recently celebrated two years at Google. First of all, congratulations on that. And I guess I'd like to know a little bit about what led you to Google, because your background is very industry traditional, you know, and to go to a company like Google, which is exciting. But I'd like to know, you know, what led you there? And more importantly, what's it like? Yeah, no, no, happy to share. And, and, and thank you for the opportunity. I, I must say, indeed, my, my career is very diverse. I spent the first 13 years in, in Diageo, understanding consumers, brand portfolio optimization and things like that. And after having that knowledge with me, I, uh, in 14, joined Maersk, where it was much more about saying, how can you take these insights of your customers and, and be part of redefining uh, the value that an asset operator or B2B player such as Maersk has? And of course, that was a, a fortune timing to set a new direction for that company. But I would also say when you have looked at 
operational lenses of optimizing supply chains for, for six years, it becomes very clear, at least to me it did, that one of the inefficiencies is because people don't collaborate. They don't uh, collaborate across the value chain and across the supply chain. And my perception is that's largely also due to the fact that there is not data to make such a collaboration fair. So when Google came to me and said, do you want to join our team and, and, and start heading up our, our, a part of our supply chain business, it made a lot of sense because when you look at Google's mission to make the world's information universally useful, it is exactly addressing some of those inefficiencies. And, and you look at how Google builds products that enable greater use of data, greater connective intelligence. Um, I, I, I joined with a purpose. Well, you know what? I, I think, I think I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going to be honest with you here. When I hear the word Google, I don't think supply chain, right? So I think it's an important thing that you're doing. And, and I'd like to ask the question uh, pretty much in terms of you know, where does Google see itself in the world of supply chain? No, absolutely. And of course, I meet this question all the time. But when you think about the products that you do know from Google and use, hopefully all the time, it is also about someone who, for instance, on search is looking for someone, something, and someone who has something to offer. And Google's role is to appropriately connect those two. So we are an enabler of exchange of information. And if you think about a supply chain, that is exactly that. It is going beyond the enterprise and, and looking much wider in one's community and understanding whether there is any contextually relevant signs that could predict demand or uh, help you measure your sustainability footprint, et cetera, et cetera. So Google really brings in technology to equip you to have more of a transparent and sustainable supply chain. You know, it's it's funny that you also touch upon the whole um, cross-functional collaboration uh, piece because I think it's a, we've been talking about breaking down silos in business for a very long time, haven't we? And what what you said in that introduction really spoke to me because it's as though there's the will, right? The will, we all have the will to break down the silos, but you're, you said something about data not being there or it being unfair in some instances. Uh, can you maybe expand a little bit on that? Yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, it, it's something I believe in a lot, that, that many decisions are made based on the information that one has at current time. And it is because people have, let's say, put shutters on and, and reinforced their own biases or perceptions. So simply by broadening and, and being more open, querying more information, more data, you help, you're better equipped to indeed know where your risks are. Um, but also internally, if let's say, uh, marketing knows that this product will be delayed because it's stuck in the Suez. Uh, of course, you should not be spending your money on promoting this variant at current time. So there's breaking down internal silos and there's broadening the base of data uh, across the end-to-end -end supply chain. And I think what's really interesting in, in what how we look at this is I don't work with one customer and, and look at it from their vantage point but I work with customers who are in all parts of the supply chain. And it's very often that I talk with a business leader and they say, oh, if they just couldn't tell me what the capacity is available at this point in time. And I ask them, well, did you give them a fair demand prediction? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I told them what I want tomorrow. And you simply just ask them to look at this from someone else's point. And you can see that actually, if you gave a bit more uh, information to your community, you actually can start looking at things like shared inventory optimization. Uh, you can even start looking at 
could that intelligence that you have within your business form new revenue models because your knowledge that sits within your function is likely hugely valuable for someone else's decision making in their in their um, part of the business. I think that's a really valuable point. You know, I really do. The fact that we are sitting, especially supply chain people, sitting on a mountains of information, aren't we? Uh, and I think that it, they're so frustrating to deal with, whether it's an internal issue, deal with a department like marketing or sales or whatever it is, or an external one, deal with a supplier or a transport partner or something like that, right? And you know this information, and yet somehow there's a breakdown with the partner or the colleague or what have you because the expectations are not met. And yet, a lot of times, you know, if we had been able to give this information clearly, then maybe we could look at actual collaboration. Like, really, it feels like collaboration is like this holy grail, isn't it, that, that no one seems to, to grasp. So the fact that Google's throwing their hat in the ring to try to find ways to solve this problem, I think, is, is pretty exciting, especially given, like you said at the beginning here, that's what we go to Google for. You know, we go to Google to solve these problems. I mean, I don't think I could live without Google. I, I Google everything. You know, I'm, I'm sure you do too. I'm sure our audience does too, you know. So I think if, if the opportunities are pretty significant if, if that's the case here. Yeah, what's also interesting about this is, is I often talk to customers and they go, can't Google just blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, the thing is, remember, we're an enabler. We want you to still have control over your supply chain, over your business, over where your future profit is coming from. But, but is your organization ready to use the power that technology gives? Is it there to have the right data ingestions? Are you using things like Doc AI to digitize your bills of lading? Are you using uh, uh, language AI to translate it? And all these things to make you more efficient? while you still have control over your business and of your supply chain. So no, Google will not just all of a sudden tell you here's where everything moves in the world, but it will give you the tools to digitize with it and therefore transform your business. And do you think that the last couple of years has been a catalyst for digitization in the supply chain space? Well, I think um, it's definitely been a catalyst for um, lifting the conversation to the right levels, right? Um, I think it's it's great to see that that people who have carried a lot of responsibility on their shoulders in the past are finally now being included into the boardroom conversations. I think we also need to be transparent. That doesn't automatically mean that people are great at holding that conversation. Um, and, and there's a learning journey on, on also not, let's say, feeling a... a <laughs> The, the blame from the past and, and, and therefore uh, just being defensive. However, I do think that, that the, the costs associated with some of the risks we've felt the last couple of years have definitely shown that uh, anticipation, mitigation, and things that you can only do through, for instance, simulating with data is uh, the way to manage your business in current day and age. Yeah, very much so. Um, I want to move a little bit because I was reading uh, one of your case studies, um, which looked into the results that I think UPS uh, were able to achieve by using the cloud, the Google Cloud platform. Uh, they were, I think, redesigning their uh, a new routing software, which uh, I mean, this is this is what I read, right? 
save the company $400 million a year and reduced its fuel consumption by 10 million gallons a year. I mean, when you see figures like that, it kind of is hard to argue against the idea that companies need to focus on maximizing the data at their disposal. So on that, how much of the company's future success is, you know, in being able to manage its supply chain, do you think will come down to its ability to handle its data? Well, obviously, I'm 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 converting. Well, you're partial, yeah. <laughs> I'm very impartial, but but I I do believe that that it is absolutely instrumental, and I do think also we're seeing an era right now where there are many small disruptors that are built in a cloud age, where basically you ride on the shoulders of others. You build what what you need, but you build it through a quilt of technology capabilities that others have, and you build it in a world where you do not have fixed uh, let's say walls around your your business you can scale up with your cloud consumption as you want or you can scale down and what that does to traditional companies is that they may have all the knowledge they may have the infrastructure etc but if they don't start bringing in some of these tools actually they will be at risk of, of losing core parts of their value chain so the the ups example is a brilliant one because what happened in that instance is that that google a long time ago um, a team got the task to say, how can you actually cover the face of the earth for us to most efficiently take pictures of all the streets for Google Earth View? So a team sat down, operations research, started looking at what are the constraints, how do I most efficiently plan, schedule, route this mapping of the world? That solver was of course something that could since be brought and given to customers for them uh, to make better decision making. So, so in the UPS instance, they have 21 million daily deliveries, or they did at the point of time when, when we did this the first time. So clearly they know how to do this. They have tools that, that do it very well, but they did not have the same scale of, let's say, ability to manage multi-constraints at the same time and look at, for instance, if you send out 200 trucks and number 117 runs into a traffic jam, who picks up for them? You, they didn't have the power to reschedule, replan all the time. So this was actually originally a procurement ask of what are the needed resources for us to do it, but also because we then combined it with Google Maps and the real-time insights, they were able also to use it in execution. And this is a great example of how Google, but also other tech players say, what technology do we have and how can we put it out in the market for others to uh, make it more useful in their business as well. Well, you're also talking about something that's rather complex, you know, in, in terms of the supply chain of, a D, of somebody like a UPS, you know, it is rather complex and just the scale, the sheer scale of what you're talking about. Uh, and then you add the complexity of what we're facing in the world, you know, with regards to supply side uh, issues, demand side issues, et cetera. So clearly AI and this type of cloud computing is what's needed to you know, crunch all the data and look at so many different types of scenarios that are perhaps unpredictable at this point, right? Uh, do you see a world where really it's going to be an essential must-have for running global supply chains that, you know, given the level of complexity? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, again, you're absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm living in this world, but the important thing is I was not born in this world. I'm not a techie. I, I, I have learned to work with these tools and I've seen the value of them. And, and I think that's... Your comfort, your comfort. 
I am a convert, yeah. And and I spend a lot of times with customers talking about, okay, we've read the memo, we understand it, it's helpful, but but how do I embrace it? And and I think it's really important to say that this is not something that's going to come and let's say overtake uh, the decisions. You need a human in the loop to make the right decisions, and you need to make the business logic that tells the algorithms what you want out of it. Um, and therefore, I do think that the ones we will see winning now are the ones who roll up their sleeves and say, I need to learn. I need to know what made me great in the past, but I need to be open to what are all these new great tools out there and how can I put them into my processes, my organization, etc., and be willing to change alongside that. Um, I can tell you, I, I had a, a, um, a former CEO I, I worked for and uh, great man, uh, great values, very, very well respected, old school to be transparent, visionary, but old school. Uh, once a quarter, we had half a day with him and it was literally just for him to learn. So I was in with the, let's say the most uh, pointy people I could find in my team or in other teams and, and simply just open his mind, educate him, uh, tell him where he should read up more, things like that. I firmly believe that these are the leaders that are open to ask the questions, but also give space to teams to show them how things can, can operate in different ways that, that are most powerful. Um, I would though also say that, that uh, I'm not of the camp that believes that new is just always great. Well, you know what? You, you, you just took the words right out of my mouth, what I was going to say to you next. I was going to say, well, okay, we've been sitting here talking about how amazing technology is, right? How amazing this is. And of course, I'm talking to someone who works at Google. Why not? Uh, but, but I call it the shiny new object syndrome. You know, a lot of companies have this sort of belief that oh, I'm just going to spend money and invest in the next technology and the next technology. And, and before you know it, I mean, we're all talking about chat GPT at the moment. Oh, it's a, that's the next thing. And we're talking about quantum computing and so forth. Okay. Well, I was scrolling through your LinkedIn page and a post from that, that you put for last year's Gartner Supply Chain Symposium in London, where I was there as well. Uh, you said that 88% of companies had increased uh, tech investment in the supply chain, but 83% of those business leaders really didn't feel like the decision-making had improved as a result. So as someone with such an, a vast amount of experience in successfully implementing different types of digital transformation projects, why? Why is that? Well, I, I think it, it always, always goes back to the human side, right? Because if you gather more information, if you get more advice, etc., etc., but you don't understand what the value, what the implications are, your fear will take over and you will not do it. Right? And, and I think that's why, I, for me, the, the, the power is in the leaders who learn, who are curious, but understand that it is still their responsibility to steer the ship in the direction that they want it to go. Um, because the, the, uh, the options are so vast today that I do think that there's a lot of shiny toy going on right now. Uh, and as you said, latest latest uh, thing that's that's hyped on 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 whatever media you read, but the reality is that that most of these are about digitizing something that was there in the past. And I think interestingly, something like blockchain is is the best marketed piece of technology. When in fact, the real question one should be asking is which parts should I think about extra security for, and potentially then one of the solutions maybe blockchain but if you don't speak the language and you just heard one name like blockchain 500 times 
you don't want to expose in your boardroom or management room that you don't actually know anything about this. So you're going to pick the name that you heard. Or that you're not investing in it. Do you mean, or that you're, you know, one of those companies that aren't doing it, you know? Uh, there, there's, there's an element of keeping up with the Joneses, as we say, you know? But, but I do believe that, that the, the companies I work with, where I see this working, there is the combination of visionary leader, open visionary leader, empowered team, but also willingness to try and admit failure. Because the worst thing that can also happen is I pick my shiny toy and I'm going to stick with it, right? Uh, what is the shiny toy going to add to your, your offering today? Um, are you actually fundamentally just moving something that was wrong in, in, in a legacy world onto a cloud world? Or are you putting the user in, in center and saying, we want to either make money on this customer in a different way, or we want to enable this frontline work in a different way, et cetera. So uh, all of these failures, I, I firmly believe they come down to human and fear. And, and I think also asking the wrong questions or trying to answer the wrong question, you know, it's, it's sort of uh, what problem am I trying to solve, right? Am I going to be adding value to my employees with this, my, my shareholders, my customers? You know, am I speeding things up? Am I, you know, what problem am I trying to solve? I think a lot of times it's more like I just want to do this faster or I want to do this with the latest shiny object. What's that famous quote? I think it was with um, Henry Ford or something like that about if he'd wanted, a, you know, a faster horse or something like that. If he wanted to go faster, he would just ask for a faster horse, not built a car. Right. So I, I think there's an element of of trying to just sort of do what I'm doing today, but a little bit faster or better with the technology. And I th perhaps, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not about embracing the next iteration of the supply chain or commerce or business function or whatever it is that you're trying to do. It also really links to, I mean, you said it before, chat GBT, people are like super excited about it or really, really scared. When, when fundamentally, People who are great, whether it's in an academic world or in a business context or just at a dinner table, it's people, as you said, who know to ask the right question, to know when to be curious, slightly skeptical, understand whether the knowledge was built from the right base and all these type of things. And, and that is as relevant in the, that chat GPT world as it is in any traditional world. So, so people should also not waver from some of those fundamental things that make them good decision makers. I think you're right. I think it's overwhelming though. I think it can be overwhelming with so much technology that's out there. And um, I think that it, you know, we leaders need to take a step back and sort of breathe for a second before jumping onto the next shiny object bandwagon and think about what problem they're looking to solve and what that looks like. And more importantly, answer some of the tough questions. I mean, we still have issues in, if we look at the supply chain today, we still have issues around geopolitics. We still have issues around, uh, you know, different types of um, COVID restrictions in different places, you know. Um, I mean, as I said, lots of issues around supply and demand. And yet, uh, you know, is this the right time to implement this kind of technology? But at the same time, you need to build risk, uh, sorry, resilience into your into your supply chain, right? So yeah, but, but let me give you one quick example of that. So, so take, for instance, the geopolitical pressures. I don't think a lot of us read Ukrainian newspapers um because we maybe don't understand ukrainian and you maybe don't know or now we do but two years ago we didn't know whether our tier three suppliers were actually in ukraine so simply by understanding okay where's my saucer where where are um 
where is my um my sourcing pattern going to take me how do i extend that information back into my tier two tier three and how do i enrich that with publicly available data such as news readily available readily translated to you as alerts into your business because all of a sudden then you start simply becoming more intelligent with the information that's there for you and none of what i just said now is something that requires a massive transformation or a commitment to anything big it is simply connecting data sets in a very very simple and linear way and available to any supply chain professional today i would say there are too few people who are doing it and there are many who have spoken about it for a long time and i think i'll give one other quick example um we we work with another customer unilever who uh i think has a very good ambition of indeed showing how can you run a sustainable uh responsible business while of course still being profitable um it's something that's received a lot of scrutiny but they have invested a lot of activities in this and for instance worked with us on saying how can we look at our palm oil supply? How can we backtrace our supply to both ensure that there's actually a reliability and, and guarantee that we can continuously get palm oil for our great products, but also not leave the forests deforested? So by combining that with, with data, it happens to be data from pictures of the earth, so earth engine, the ones that you look at on your phone, combining that back into Unilever sourcing pattern they were able to know which of their suppliers actually were deforesting and they could have very different procurement conversations with them. It's not last week we finished this. There are many people around the world who use palm oil, but not everyone has said, what a great idea, let me be a fast follower. And I think that that is, that is what's going on right now. There's some, let's say, intellectual understanding but we need more people to lean in and say, actually, this is important for my business. I'm going to take this responsibility and I'm going to be the leader who steps up and actually provides this visibility to my customers through things that are readily available at current time. Well, it comes down to data, like you say, leadership and transparency or visibility. I mean, there's an element also about uh uh, you know, f being a fast follower, like you say, but I think that there is impending re uh, regulations that are coming in that are going to make it an absolute necessity for companies to reach out and, and actually walk their supply chains backwards as far as they possibly can, map it out, and ask those tough questions. I mean, already there's stuff coming in that is just, you know, if you're trading with certain countries, you're going to have to do that. That's it for part one of my conversation with Louisa Loran. I hope you enjoyed it. As I mentioned in the introduction, part two will be out next week. Be sure to tune in as Louisa and I will be discussing her approach to leadership and how she's able to successfully communicate her vision as a supply chain leader. See you then.